Hello and welcome to Cloud9Fin, a podcast on all things leverage finance. We follow corporate debt from issuance to redemption, credits from performing to distress, and everything in between. I'm Sammy Cole, your host in London, and this week I'm welcoming Head of Data Science, Sean Lofgren. Thank you for joining me, Sean. Thanks for having me on the podcast. And also data scientist, Hannes Kinfall. Thank you. Uh, thank you so much for joining me both. And the reason I've got you both on is because of the release of 9fin AI a few weeks ago. And it seems like the perfect time to have a chat about how we're leveraging AI at 9fin and also to take a sneak peek into what the future holds. So in actual fact, 9fin has been leveraging AI since the company was founded back in 2016, but we've recently stepped up our game. So to start, Sean, could you please give me a brief overview of how the recently released 9fin AI works? Yeah, sure. Uh, 9fin AI allows our clients to ask questions about companies within the 9fin universe. And that means like receiving high quality, fully referenced answers in real time. For example, how could EG, EG Group deleverage or maybe what does Pure Gym do? Uh, this ChatGPT style interface is fully integrated into our existing global search functionality. Amazing. Thanks for the intro. So 9fin AI is still in beta. What do you see being integrated down the road, Hannes? Good question. Uh, I think one thing we definitely want to do is to give it access to more 9fin data. Uh, because we started with a subset of our companies and data to ensure precision, uh, since we know that's extremely important for us and our clients. Um, and hallucinations uh, is a known issue with LLMs, and uh, we so we need to be careful there. And we'd rather say, sorry, I can't answer that right now than saying something incorrect that could make the user uh, lose a lot of time or money. And uh, secondly, we also want to make it smarter so that it can answer more complex questions such as comparing different companies' performance, uh, etc. And uh, part of this is giving it access to more data, but we, we also want to improve the way we retrieve content. And I can talk a bit more about retrieval because I think that's uh, such an essential part, uh, essential component of these systems since it allows LLMs to be aware of more recent information not included in their training data. And uh, yeah, I can probably talk about this for hours, but to keep it short, I see a lot of interesting approaches to it out there. And I believe there is there's not a one size fits all at this point. And uh, so we're con continuously experimenting with various approaches to see what works best for our use case. And uh, some examples of fast evolving projects that you can build on or just use as inspirations uh, come from the great work at Langchain and Llama Index, for example. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and if I can jump in here, I mean, two extra points. Uh, better models, I guess we want to be at the forefront here. So, I mean, they're releasing new foundational models every month. You, you got Llama 2, you've got the 180 billion parameter Falcon model, and more recently, Cloud 2.1 and uh, GPT-4 Turbo from OpenAI on their dev day recently. And last but not least, uh, this is not just a data science problem. It's uh, we're heavily invested in UX and overall system design and engineering. And we know all our users have high expectations here, uh, especially with ChatGPT setting the bar. We want our users to have a very seamless interaction, make it a bit addictive to a, to mm -hmm. a degree. 
Interesting. It sounds like there are so many different things to think about and also exciting things to come as well. Did you did you find any roadblocks um, when you were working on the, the Ninefin AI project in particular? There's like two main roadblocks that we've uh, encountered so far. And the first thing is um, the fact that the space is moving so fast. So keeping up with that space is our, bigger pro is our biggest problem at the moment. But also we have so much data in varying formats, uh, so much unstructured data, so much structured data, long documents, we've got charts, plots, tables, and everything in between. And, you know, pre-processing all of this in a way that we can search and retrieving the most, you know, we want to give you the best, we, we want to give you a correct answer. Um, we can dive into that later, but uh, our main challenge is being able to provide you with all this data so you can search. So uh, it's a challenge both in terms of like data engineering, you know, building all these pipelines, there's a lot of infrastructure and there's a lot of search optimization that we have to work on here. Uh, so those were our main roadblocks. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, even even when we're writing quick takes, we've got um, a lot of information from long, super long OMs, offering memorandums, and then also, for example, in sustainability reports, there are all these charts and graphics as well. Um, so I can see why that would be a huge challenge. And um, Hannes, what what have you what have you learned from working on this project? Um, yeah, a few things. I think. First of all, uh, close collaboration in cross-functional fun cross teams uh, with uh, designers, uh, domain experts, uh, product uh, people, engineers and, and scientists. It's very powerful when it comes to shipping research and engineering heavy uh, user-facing solutions because uh, I think you need knowledge from each area. So having all of those uh, competencies on the same team is very effective and uh, also prototyping has been very useful uh, when iterating on new approaches and uh, especially if you can uh, user test it easily and uh, it's very useful when you have uh, no or little uh, data available and it avoids spending time on the wrong things mm -hmm, definitely i've really enjoyed testing out the project myself so Sean, what's the team currently working on at the moment? Uh, I guess what, we're, what, what are we working on currently? I mean, we're working on improving Ninefin AI as we believe it can significantly improve discoverability on the platform and enable our users to find and process the information they need quicker. Um, speed is essential in the financial markets, you know, faster speed, you know, more leverage and debt is no exception here. All this while, whilst also maintaining the current models in production, we have the infrastructure and live monitoring in place with alerts so that we get notified about any anomalies that happened that need our attention. Mm -hmm. Interesting. And what's the what's the feedback been like so far on online for AI? Um, I think it's definitely created a lot of excitement in the company and among clients. And uh, we've had record high weekly active users, which is super fun. And uh, and that's even though it's still a new feature. And uh, clients are coming back to us saying it's already saving them lots of time and it, it can already answer pretty complex questions which is really rewarding for us to hear um, but we, we still see there is so much more potential in this feature so we're constantly you know considering feedback we encourage more feedback on how to improve it and what kind of questions people want supported in the future etc we've got a very exciting new product to share with you, Ninefin CLO Structured Credit Offering. 
with exclusive up-to-date reporting, world-leading expert analysis, and a modern data platform. Our new product vertical will enable you to make better decisions faster, simplify your workflows, and ultimately win business. Head to ninefin.com slash insights to try it out for free. Now, let's get back to this week's episode. And of course, Ninefin AI isn't the only way that Ninefin has been leveraging AI in our processes. Sean, could you could you give us an overview of what of how we've been using AI over the last few years? Yeah, sure thing. Since the early days of Ninefin, we've been using state-of-the-art machine learning to provide our clients data with speed and precision. And this goes from like computer vision tasks all the way to natural language processing tasks and everything in between. Uh, like I mentioned before, we have so much unstructured data, so we've been tackling problems around detection and classification to extraction and interpretation problems. And we have plenty more still to tackle here. And uh, thanks to the generative AI, the last two years, we've been able to supercharge our work in the presentational space, pretty much putting a natural language interface in on top of all, all of our products. And so now onto your general thoughts on generative AI. Um, Hannes, is there anything that worries you in particular or any developments that are uh, particularly exciting to you and the rest of the team? Um, yeah, so I think the capabilities of these models become increasingly general, which is super exciting. Um, I think the technology has been also been much more democratized with ChatGPT because um, lo lots of people know how to use the chat interface so it becomes more accessible and this has fueled uh, lots of ideas and creativity in the space and I think these models have a very high value to effort ratio it doesn't necessarily mean that the absolute value and performance is high in all use cases but you can get something pretty useful with uh, quite low effort and I think these models also facilitate applications that were previously very complex or time-consuming to do and uh, prototyping especially is now much faster with uh, quite powerful view or zero-shot learning and ChatGPT uh, uh, was originally text-only but I think we'll see models become more multimodal like for example OpenAI's Clip or uh, the more recent GPT-4 Vision uh, that can take both text and images as input. I'm particularly interested in seeing the progress on solving the outdated knowledge and uh, context window limit problems of the LLMs. Um, I see that as one of the main bottlenecks right now and uh, lots of investments are going into solving that problem. Yeah, I mean, that's even something that I've noticed myself when, when using um, ChatGPT and, um, and other tools. Do you, do you see any any other major risks? Yeah, I think um, I'm I'm glad you bring up the risks because I think <laughs> while generative AI uh, can give you uh, humanity huge benefits, I think it also comes with serious risks to we should consider, and I sometimes worry about these risks being ignored in favor of people trying to outcompete each other with a fear of missing out or lagging behind. And I definitely think authorities, nonprofits, and governments will and should set the rules and, and enforce AI safety first. And anyone with power really uh, has, uh, has a responsibility uh, here in this space. And uh, to concretize, uh, I can give some 
examples of what I mean uh, by AI risks. First of all, I think these models are uh, very hard to interpret, so you don't really know necessarily how it came to a certain conclusion, and there is a risk for discrimination. Uh, maybe it made a certain uh, t- uh, made a certain decision based on uh, gender or or race or other factors. It's also now easier than before to scale up fraudulent activities um, and uh, using the models for misinformation or terror uh, activities. And I also see a risk for like a big tech monopoly here. And uh, there's also data privacy issues with sending data uh, over APIs. And uh, yeah, especially this concentration of power to a few companies behind these models. So I think we need to think about how we make sure it benefits everyone. And uh, lastly, giving instructions uh, for complex tasks is not easy. And as these models become increasingly powerful, it can have devastating consequences. Um, just one classic example is if, if you ask the model to um, solve climate change and uh, this model then decides to eliminate all the humans because uh, humans are probably a main reason to the climate change. Uh, we need to make sure that the AI understands our goals that we set and that it adopts the goal and also keep the goal over time. And uh, these are very hard problems to figure out. I, I also want to mention that I think expectations on AI right now are sky high. And I, I think far from everything can be solved with AI yet. And we should make space for learning and understanding the technology. And sometimes a human is, is actually more appropriate or a much simpler technical solution. Uh, for example, if I'm reading, let's say I'm reading an earnings call transcript, uh, I probably don't want uh, to, be, to have to ask an AI to click play to hear the recording. Maybe I just want a simple button. Yeah, that's so true. I mean, we have to think about how AI can be used in conjunction with, um, with things that already exist and the wider picture as well, for sure. And Sean, what, what kind of future do you think AI will have at Ninefin? Yeah, I mean, we'll, we'll continue to invest heavily in AI and technology just purely to make our lives, our client lives easier. And the feedback we get from them will influence the direction of what our product takes. Um, not every generative AI use case is even visible for our clients. So, I mean, we already have so many ML-powered systems running behind the scenes. Yeah, and uh, to add to that, I think um, it's always hard to give time estimates on, on these things. But I think generative AI is still just a tool for increased efficiency like Python or Excel are. And, then, and I believe we will have a human in the loop for a while. Just look at, for example, self-driving cars or even in factories uh, where we still have humans supervising the robots. <laughs> I love that example. Thank you so much both for, for joining me today. It's been super, super interesting. Thank you, Sammy. Yeah, thank you so much. Okay, well, that's all we've got time for this week. Thanks for tuning in. And please let us know if you have any feedback. We love hearing from our listeners and you can reach us anytime by emailing team at ninepin.com. Check in next week to hear the latest on US markets. And we'll be back the week after that. See you then.